0: Passionate, driven, enthusiastic, euphoric. This is who we are as entrepreneurs, but how we leverage these incredible attributes to dream and build businesses that scale and grow is what this podcast is all about. Hello, I'm attorneypreneur Josh Brown, and welcome to Franchise Euphoria. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. Today, I am thrilled to have Dr. Clark Gaither, otherwise known as Dr. Burnout, on the show. Clark helps the burned-out professional reignite with passion and purpose. He knows firsthand both the pain and the value of struggle. During his lifetime and 26-year career as a family physician, he has faced and overcome many difficult challenges. Fear of public speaking, alcoholism, professional burnout and devastating personal tragedies not only has he learned to overcome he has learned to embrace the glorious magnificence of change hello my friend and welcome to the show
1: josh i am so happy to be here this is awesome
0: Well, I'm happy to have you, and I think that your message and 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 what you're doing uh, in terms of helping people uh, reignite their lives and their businesses and uh, with passion and purpose to avoid burnout is such an an awesome thing. And I know in the uh, we talked a little bit off uh, off the recording in the franchise space. You know, most a lot of people who get into franchising get into it because they're burned out with their corporate job. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, there's probably a number of people listening to this who are are nodding their head as they're they're driving down the street. But where I'd like to start is, tell me your definition of job-related burnout.
1: Well, there are actually three hallmarks, three principal hallmarks of job-related burnout. And this was uh, elucidated back in the early 80s. uh, Dr. Christina Maslach, M-A-S-L-A-C-H, uh, produced a uh, published a paper of some studies that she was doing, and, and she became interested in why people were becoming dissatisfied with their jobs, and and she came out uh, came out with the Maslach Burnout Inventory, and it is a way to screen for job related burnout, and it picks up on the three principal hallmarks of burnout, which are number one, emotional exhaustion. That's a feeling of being just emotionally depleted to the point where you feel like you can no longer give of yourself on a, an emotional or psychological level. People say, I just have nothing left to give. I've just laid it all out there. It's all, I don't have anything left. The second is depersonalization. And that's the development of negative and cynical feelings, which lead to really kind of a callous, and dehumanized perception of your patient, client, or customer. And that further leads to the view that somehow they're deserving of their problems and troubles. And so that's the key word there is cynicism. And then the third principal hallmark is a lack of a sense of personal accomplishment. And that's where you feel so little reward from your job that there's a tendency to evaluate yourself in negative terms which leads to dissatisfaction and unhappiness in your work. And that creates a lack of a sense of personal accomplishment. So those are the three emotional exhaustion, keyword exhaustion, depersonalization, keyword cynicism, and a lack of a sense of personal accomplishment. The keyword there is inefficacy. Now, Men and women go through these a little different women hit all three, usually in order. They get exhausted first, then they depersonalize or become cynical. And then they feel that lack of a sense of personal accomplishment. Men, on the other hand, they become cynical first. And that's probably no big surprise to you and I, because we're men and we understand that, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Men get cynical first, then they get emotionally exhausted. And you know, a man almost never hits number three, which is a lack of sense of a, a personal accomplishment. They always will feel that their work has some value. And so really by the time a, a man hits one of the hallmarks, he's 50 percent burned out. And, and so that's why it's, it's so prevalent, especially right now in my field is medicine. I, I know your field is uh, 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 law, but burnout rates are also very high there. And, and
0: yeah, you think, I think it's probably the high, do we have the two highest burnout rates? I
1: wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Medicine is, is number one. You guys are right close behind. And so, is, <laughs> and, and so, are dentists. so we're trying to I catch mean, up
0: Clark. We're trying to catch up.
1: Hey, you know, uh, if, if things get any bad for either of us, I don't know how much longer we're going to last because it, it really does. When, when people deep, when they get burned out, it slops over into their personal life as well. And so a lot of times you'll see burned out individuals act out and sometimes they act out with drugs or alcohol or affairs or relationship problems or money problems. I mean, it, it, it's really pervasive. And a lot of times, uh, unlike stress, people usually can identify, you know, some stressors in their life. Um, Burnout is different. A lot of people don't recognize it as, as burnout. They will call it stress. And while people who are burned out are stressed, I, I guarantee if you're burned out, you're stressed. But not everybody who's stressed is burned out. So a lot of times it gets confused with stress. And if you treat it like stress, you're not really treating the underlying causes of burnout. Now, I went over the hallmarks, but those are not the causes of job-related burnout. So what are the causes Well, there are six principal causes, and I'll just go through them one at a time, and uh, you, the listener, will recognize many of them because, again, it's so pervasive. Number one is all of the causes are mismatches between the job and the individual, some mismatch that causes the individual to be uncomfortable. And so here's the first one, work overload. You know, with downsizing and budget cuts and layoffs and reorganization efforts and mergers and acquisitions, that usually results in a few things. One is more work intensity, more demands on time, more job complexity. So in short, people are required to do ever more with less. And this can leave individuals just exhausted. So work overload is the first one. The second one is lack of control. As organizations grow, they become intolerant of creative problem solving in lieu of centralized control, and that squelches individual autonomy. And so people have difficulty you know, setting limits on their work, exercising problem solving, selecting individualized approaches to a problem, or allocating resources and setting priorities as they feel that's important because you have this overhanging central, central control that won't let you do it. And so the overall effect is a loss of interest in the job and just mon, mon, monumental frustration. So lack of control is number two. Number three, insufficient reward. With market forces focus on, focusing on reducing costs, you, you know organizations will reward their employees less in meaningful ways. You know, people work – you know, for a paycheck, of course, but also for tangible rewards such as security or recognition or benefits or just intrinsic satisfaction. You know, they like their job. And if those kinds of rewards are lacking, people will naturally begin to wonder why they're working so hard. And so, you know, more work plus less reward equals dissatisfaction. So those are the, that's number three. Number four is breakdown of community. And that's where, you know, the mom and pop uh, essence of a business is lost as businesses grow. Sometimes organizations grow larger or too quickly, and then it really breaks down the character of the organization. And, you know, you can chase, you know, short-term profit. At the expense of interpersonal relationships within a company and that just inevitably leads to greater conflicts among the employees there's a lack of mutual support lack of respect and then people begin to feel isolated and dr maslack said in her book the truth about burnout a sense of belonging disappears when people work separately instead of together and so you lose that sense of community within an organization. And that's a, that's a big step on the, on the road to burnout. And then the fifth mismatch is absence of fairness. And Dr. Maslach, she, she thought a workplace was fair when three key elements were provided, trust, openness, and respect. And when those are present, employees feel valued, but if they're not present, they don't feel valued and they don't feel like they're fully engaged. It's almost the opposite. So anytime they're absent, burnout will will result. So that's absence of fairness. And everybody knows the classic example of absence of fairness. And that's where a company says it can't um, offer certain benefits or there will be no raises because the company can't afford it. And then you find out the CEO got an extra $5 million, you know, for uh, whatever CEOs do, you know, so.
0: Yeah. We're seeing, and you know, we're seeing more and more of a reduction in, in the benefits. Uh, yeah. and obviously and and a bigger gap, frankly, in what CEOs are making versus, versus the, the other people who are working for the organization.
1: And so that's, that's the absence, absence of fairness. Now, nobody would point to, and I'm not suggesting everybody work for a buck, but you know, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, for years, uh, Berkshire Hathaway paid him a dollar, you know, every year. And he said, if, if my clients don't make money, then I'm not going to make any money. And so, uh, nobody would say he was being unfair, but you know, the, the, the CEO walks away with a big golden parachute while everybody else is suffering. It just creates tremendous sense of unfairness. Sure. And, and so that, that's a big one. But the number six mismatch is probably one of the biggest, and that's conflicting values. And, you know, if your organization says we're dedicated to excellent service and we take care of the customer and the customer is number one in our book, yet behind the scenes, you know, it's completely opposite that, uh, then there's a big conflict in, in values there. Or if you're being asked to do something that goes against your grain or your moral fiber or your moral compass, then it's gonna create tremendous uh, conflict inside. And so uh, people feel like their values are being assailed and that's always going to lead uh, to uh, burnout. So those are the six mismatches and I'll just state them one more time. Work overload, lack of control, insufficient reward, breakdown of community, Absence of fairness and conflicting values.
0: Well, so it's interesting because you know, um, you know, as an employer, right? So I mean, which you know, you're an employer. I'm an employer. I have, and you know, you look at these. You look at these um, identifying marks and you say, OK, wh- how how am I doing in terms of the people who are working for me or, you know, are there ways for me to improve on those? I'm wondering, though, for the employees out there, for the people who are, you know, burning it at, at both ends of the candle and and working for these companies and feeling that sense of being overloaded, feeling like, you know, they they keep lo- they keep losing control. They have less and less control. They're not being rewarded Right. What they should be, and on and on and on. So once you identify, okay, I'm experiencing this burnout. What can you do uh, to change it?
1: Well, there are several things you can do, and I know I painted kind of a bleak picture of burnout, and and because, quite frankly, if you're if you're in the throes of it, you don't you feel miserable. I mean, you're not a happy camper, happy person, and you know that that's where you look forward to Fridays. And dread Mondays. You just hate going into work. You hate your job. You begin to hate the people you work with, and you hate your customers. I mean, you know, it's just—it's uh, not a good situation to be in. It's a very uncomfortable situation. But if some someone thinks they're burned out and thinks, you know, I've hit a couple of these mismatches here, or I think I have two or three all of the hallmarks of burnout, the first thing I would do is go to your um, human resource person and talk to them about it, and and say, are you aware of? a job related burnout, what the hallmarks are and what the causes are, because I think I'm burned out at my job and here's why. And you know, if companies are smart and some of them are very smart and getting smarter every day uh, about this issue, um, then they will listen because if there are high rates of burnout in a company or organization, what you see is a high turnover rate among employees. That is extremely costly. You're also seeing more complaints from customers. You're seeing more complaints and conflict in the workplace. You may even uh, see increased uh, suits, Uh, and that's particularly true in medicine. Uh, When uh, a medical staff is not functioning well, the suit rate goes up because there are more mistakes being made. There are more things being omitted, and so it – it is cost-effective to address this issue head-on. If I go into a, a hospital as a consultant and they're having high rates of turnover among their medical staff, it can cost anywhere from 100000 to a $1 million to replace just one physician. And if they can prevent one turnover a year, they've more than paid for some very simple programs that can reduce the rate of burnout by hitting these mismatches and reducing their frequency or reducing their severity, then their costs go down. They actually save money in the long run, and that's what—that's the approach I would take. That's what HR people and administrators that will get their attention. Uh, they're not so good on the warm and fuzzy stuff, you know. Like everybody's going to get along better. We're going to have a be- better sense of community and less internal conflict, less toxic work environment. If you tell them, look. I'm going to save you a bunch of money and we're going to decrease turnover. And here's how we do it. And so it, it's not all gloom and doom. It, there are things that can be done to get at these mismatches and reduce their impact.
0: Well, usually, you know, you first you got to identify the problem, which is identifying the burnout. And then that's the ultimate way to get to the solution, which is, you know, working your way, um, working your way up to positive change. So it's all, it's all with the idea that, that if you identify that and can place your finger on it, then you can now make changes in your life, um, that can address it so that hopefully you, you get to a better place. I know, you know, I, I, I love the power of a story to, to, to get a point across. I know in your own professional career, you've experienced burnout. Um, I'd love to hear about that. Um, and, and I think the audience would too, I think convey, convey some of the points that you're making today.
1: Well, five years ago, uh, I had gotten to a point where I went to my partner and said, look, if, if we don't make some changes or if I don't make some changes, I'm going to have to leave medicine. I mean, that's how bad it was. I felt like I was I was emotionally exhausted. I felt ineffective. I didn't feel like anything I was doing was making any difference. I began, uh, I began to get cynical and I didn't like it. It was very uncomfortable. And I thought. Uh, you know what, I can do something else and be happier than I am right now. And it wasn't, you know, money was a secondary issue. Uh, You can make all the money in the world. If you're not happy, so what? Uh, And so uh, he said, well, you know, do whatever you need to do. And so I just made a few changes Uh, the simple changes that made all the difference in the world. I went from five days a week to three days a week. Now I worked a little longer day, those three days, but I I cut my hours and yes, I got paid less, but at that point I would almost paid somebody to make me feel better. And so (laughs) I paid myself by taking, uh, working less hours. And then I was on like 10 different boards. I only cared about one of them, and so I, I jumped off the other nine. I really didn't care about that much, but you know, somebody asked me to be on it, and I was loath to say no. And so I ended up on a bunch of boards. And of course, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. And so I began to get my life back into some sort of balance. I took a little less call and began exercising more. More began taking some trips, taking time off, going away, uh, reading things I wanted to read rather than things I had to read, and it just made the biggest difference, and it was almost immediate, and I thought, wow, I wonder if other physicians are suffering like this, and I wonder if they know, you know, how to change it and make it better, and so I started looking into this topic of job-related burnout. Come to find out sixty percent of the doctors in the country right now are burned out. It's just a terrible issue, and we're losing wow. we're we're losing expertise like I don't know what. Uh, in some specialties like uh, emergency room medicine, intensive care medicine, and radiology, it approaches seventy percent burnout rates.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting not to interrupt you, but uh, it's interesting my own my own physician who's fantastic. She's the best doctor I've ever had. My wife and I both go there. Uh, my wife was just their uh, primary care physician, and and uh, she said, you know, I'm retiring, and and my wife said, well, well, why, you know, and and she said, she's like, I just, I'm, I'm. Tired of doing it all. I mean, you know, the, the, she loves seeing the patients, but the reality is in this day and age in the practice of medicine with what she's doing and with a particular hospital group that she's a part of. And I think we're, you're probably seeing this across the country with doctors. Once she's done seeing the patient, I mean, she's there till 10 o'clock at night doing the paperwork and doing everything else. And, uh, Mm um, yeah, she's it, just she's just retiring to be out yeah. to
1: get out of it. <laughs> In nineteen ninety, if you asked a, asked a physician when they were going to stop, uh, they would look at you strangely and say, "Well, you know, I'm not I'm not going to." You know, they would often practice until they were carried out of their office on a stretcher. You know, uh, they would almost die practicing medicine
0: because you're making and, a div right. The, you know, there was that feeling that they were making it was a, a calling. Difference. It was a calling. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and so and then ten years later. It was retirement age. Today, it's mid-50s. I mean, that's just a horrible downward spiral and decline. And the proceedings of the Mayo Clinic or Mayo uh, Clinic proceedings, uh, December 2015, this month, just came out with a study. Uh, 6,000, over 6,000 doctors survey, uh, over 55% of them scored at least one on the mass-like burnout inventory, which is, you know, the top score is three. So over 50% uh, have at least one of the three hallmarks of burnout. 90% of doctors today would not recommend medicine as a career path to a family member. I mean, how bad can it get? That's, (laughs) That's just a terrible... It's just terrible. And, you know, some other professions are seeing similar high rates. Um, uh, Law is uh, one. We just spoke about that. Uh, The rate of uh, alcohol and drug abuse in both law and medicine is is higher than the national average. Suicide rate among physicians is six times the national general population or uh, six times the average in the general population. So it's a tremendous problem. It doesn't have to be that way. Things can be done. Uh, I will say that on the upside, how many uh, entrepreneurs started their business because they got burned out at whatever they were doing and they thought, you know what, I can find a better way on my own. And how many um, people have switched to owning a franchise and that's right up your alley because they got burned out in the corporate world and decided, you know what, I'd rather work for myself. Uh, than someone else under these conditions.
0: Yeah, you know we're seeing it. We're seeing it more and more. I mean, it's interesting. The statistics would show in franchising uh, that, in terms of uh, small business ownership and people starting and and and, and owning their own businesses, um, the 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 statistics in terms of franchising, people buying franchise, getting into the franchise model, has continued to grow at a fairly steady rate. Uh, whereas over the last several years, it's been Somewhat stagnant and even declining um, with just other small businesses, but I think it's the idea, just like you said, is that people are are feeling that stress and that um, and, and feeling burned out at their mm-hmm. positions, and a lot of it too is, you know, it's it's that uh, tying into the whole, I think, insufficient reward is that they're feeling like th- they just don't see the opportunity. St- and yeah. sticking around, um, yeah. you know, it's interesting. Like with your situation and my situation, it's probably a little different from from a lot of people in that, you know, you as a doctor, you feel a burnout, and you're in the fortunate position to be able to take. Some time off, maybe to to uh, to leave a practice for a period of time, take some more vacations. What about for the folks who aren't in that position? You know, the folks who are in an organization and and financially uh, within their own lives, they're just not in that kind of position. What what would you recommend in addition to going and speaking? You know, to you know, a trusted professional within the organization if they have one. What are some other things that they can do if it's not an option for them to take time Uh, away?
1: Well, of course, uh, if you cannot get the attention of your employer, if you cannot get uh, administration to make changes which would either chip away at some of the mismatches or lessen their influence, I mean – you know, work overload, and lack of control, I'm not sure that's ever going to be uh, taken away from medicine. So it may not be as much about reducing a mismatch as it would be elevating some of the other ones. Like if there was more reward, if there was more recognition or more sense of community or less conflicting values. I mean, so but if you if you have an unwilling participant, if you have. Uh, an employer that's just not interested in this issue, then you are in a uh, predicament. I mean, you really are because you can't really wish these things away if you don't have the full cooperation of your fellow coworkers and the administrative staff. So at that point, uh, it may be time, and this sounds, you know, um, uh, I don't know, uh, harsh or it, it may sound um, uh, like a, a big step, but you may have to punch up your resume and look for a better working environment. And, and that's just the reality, because if you don't, and if you're, if you're suffering from burnout and things continue like that, you are going to end up leaving anyway. I mean, you will because you won't be able to tolerate it after a while. People will put up with a lot for a little while. And if they just don't see any end in sight, then sooner or later, they're going to jump ship. And so I would be proactive. I would get your resume, start looking around for a position that uh, really is more in line with your values and uh, the way you like to do things. Uh, There's there's still plenty of businesses out there looking for good people with talent uh, who are willing to treat them better uh, than perhaps they're being treated in their current work environment.
0: Now, do you help people with that? I mean, you know, helping people identifying the burnout and then also identifying other opportunities?
1: I help people identify what's meaningful and purposeful and value of value to them. Uh, Once they know their own core values and once they know if they can articulate what it is they're looking for, then it's easy to go out and find a good fit for them. If they don't know what, you know, their core values and what they really want, if they can't articulate what they want, then that's got to be worked on first. You got to be able to say, I really want this, you know, this is what, this is my ideal dream job. And if they can tell me what that is, and if it's in line with their core values, then we can, we can start looking around for that.
0: Well, you know, I'm really glad you said that because so many people, when they're dissatisfied, with one position or they're, they're just not maybe completely satisfied. Um, they're just looking for something else and they don't take the time, the effort, the energy of identifying what that something else is. And so now they put mm-hmm. themselves in the position where they'll never identify it because they're just like everybody else looking for a job as opposed to identifying this is what I'm good at. This is what I have experience with. And this is what, this is the value I can add. It becomes much easier to find satisfaction in what you do when mm-hmm. you first figure that out. Right.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's just like uh, interpersonal relationships. You know, you can go from one bad relationship to the next. In fact, you know, sometimes people pick the same kind of person and every kind of, you know, every relationship they've had and they've all failed and, and, And it's because they don't know really what they're looking for or they're settling for something less than what they're looking for. And so it's the same with the job. It's a, it's a relationship of a different sort. You know, you've got, you, you should be able to get along and enjoy the your, your co-workers because inevitably you're going to be working with other people. And you would hope that their values are in line with yours. You know, if you're an honest person, you, you don't want to uh, go, you know, start working around a bunch of people who are dishonest. And so uh, it's important to know what your core values are and actually be proactive about looking for that good fit rather than just taking the The next job that comes along, or whoever will take you, or whoever will say yes to your you know plea for a job, uh, that's probably not the best approach.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I love that because I get it a lot with with a lot of whether it's law students or young lawyers that that will reach out uh, to me because uh, I've got my own practice and whatnot. And, and, you know, a lot of law students, you know, they'll say, oh, I'm just looking for anything. And I by the time we're off the call, many of these people I'm just meeting for the first time on a call, I often wonder what they think of me because I challenge them really, uh, really intentionally on the call to to not just reside themselves, to searching for a job like that, because now Mm -hmm. they're just gonna be like everybody else in the field, there's nothing that sticks out. I said, you might take yourself away from certain positions, but if you are really, really honed in on a road you want to go down or an area you want to go down, that's much more attractive to Mm -hmm. people. And, you know, the interesting thing is that I find, I don't know if you find this as well, Clark, is that, you know, it's, it's really hard for, it's hard sometimes to identify exactly what we want to do. It's much, much easier to identify what we don't want to do. And then Mm -hmm. when you can eliminate things, by virtue of elimination, it becomes much easier to then ultimately identify what you want to do. But it makes it in the short term easier to at least pick a road that's going to probably give you a better chance of success and happiness Uh, if you don't go through that exercise.
1: And, you know, that's exactly right. I would go a step further and say, you know, we do those things we want to do rather than those things we should do, you know, because we're being challenged and stretched in a different direction. But, you know, that looks like it might take a little more energy i'm willing to put into it so i'm not going to do it exactly yeah then then you may have missed your golden opportunity for meaningful work and happiness and so uh yeah you're going to have to put some energy into it i think uh as I did much of my own life, I walked around expecting the universe to give me things and uh, and come to find out, uh, oh, you know, actually, you have to go looking for what you want or make what you want or go out and get what you want on your own. Uh, it's just not going to fall on you from the sky. So, uh, uh, you know, we don't deserve uh, a, um, a a golden job. You have to earn it, and uh, and so sometimes you got to put in you know those long hours initially, uh, in a, in a profession. But if you don't see the tangible rewards coming from it, or if you feel like it's conflicting with your internal values, then it may be time to find something that's a better fit for you. Now, on my I do have a website. It's there You can go and, and download a free core values inventory. And if you have not taken a core values inventory, uh, you you should. Um, most people feel they have values, but it's curious when you ask someone, do you have values? And they go, well, of course I do. I, I say, well, what are they? And and people can name two, and that's usually where they get stuck. They don't know their top five or top ten core values. And if you can't name them, if you can't rattle them right off, then I can almost guarantee you you're either uh, you're dishonoring some of your core values because you don't know what they are. And once you find them out and you begin to honor them more in every decision you make uh, and stop dishonoring them, then you're going to have a better, happier, more fulfilling life.
0: Well, I'd encourage everybody who is listening to go and check that out because obviously the objective is is to don't let yourself slip into a position where you are burned out and then get help. Do things to prevent it from happening in the first place.
1: Absolutely. That's preventative medicine. That's what that sounds like, doesn't it? John? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well,
0: listen, Clark. I mean, there's so there's so much more I wanted to talk to you about. I know I, I told you the interview would be about 15, 20 minutes, and now we're over 30 minutes in. It's been a really great conversation. You've got, I didn't even get a chance to talk about your best-selling book, Powerful Words, and you've got some upcoming uh, books as well. So you're doing some really, really, uh, good work, interesting work. And, uh, I'm certainly fascinated by it. And I think there's a whole lot of business people out there that could benefit
1: uh, from the work you do. If you ever want me back, I'll be happy to come back and talk about it further or more in depth. Um, at any time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're going to have
0: to do a part 2, but uh before we go, uh I know you just mentioned your website a minute ago. What what's the be- is that the best way for people to get a hold of you?
1: Yes, clarkgather.com and that's G A I T H E R, Uh clarkgather.com and there's a place to put your name and email address and you can download a uh, core values inventory and fill it out at your leisure and if you don't know what all the values are there's a list of over 400 of them in the appendix and so you can just kind of look through those and you may see some that oh yeah i like that value right there that that sounds like me so you can go through those and uh, it will help you generate your lists uh, as you begin to figure out what your top 10 core values are also there are some uh There's a general burnout assessment guide that you can download and sort of read about those mismatches that I just talked about and the hallmarks of burnout. And there's a a general assessment guide for uh, administrators. And there's just there's a bunch of tools there. You can download them, whatever you want.
0: No, that's fantastic. Thank you for taking the time. And certainly with your background as a physician and everything that you're doing, uh, I think you're helping a lot of people uh, in many different ways. So thank you for that. And
1: I look forward to part two down the road. Absolutely. Listen, I so much appreciate you having me on and I hope I've been of some benefit to you and your audience.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again,
1: Clark. Thank you. Hopefully this was helpful for you
0: today. If you are in the market for a franchise, I would highly encourage you to check out my free ebook, which is What to Know Before You Buy a Franchise. You can head over to my website at Indy, that's I-N-D-Y, FranchiseLaw.com, and download it there for free, and um, let me know what you think. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you're enjoying the value that you're getting from this podcast, I'd also invite you to go to iTunes and... Uh, Provide me with a rating and review. It always helps uh, for visibility on the podcast. So, thank you so much for your support and uh, hope this episode was helpful to you. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, Please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseeuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode.